Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker. You can call me DW. And this is the next part in our series of podcasts where you, the listener, will get to know our stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. Our next writer is one of my personal favorites. Don't tell the others. Uh, He is a frequent guest on the Falcoholic Live on this very podcast uh, and one of the Fantastic stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. I'm talking, of course, about Adnan Ikic. Adnan, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, we're we're getting through it. Um, March seemed like it was forever, and these past two months have just flown by. Two months? It feels like two years. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it, it feels like hopefully we'll turn a corner here soon, and uh, get to the a 2020 NFL season. So, yeah, uh, hopefully a full season with uh with a lot of good health, a lot of uh you know, uh, a lot of good luck and, you know, who knows, but yeah. hopefully we can hope. Yeah. We're we're going to be ready to cover it uh at the falcoholic.com. So, let's just dive into it. Um obviously you've been writing at the site now for a couple of years and uh, before that, you know, as with all the writers at the site, you were a Falcons fan. So what made you a Falcons fan and how long ago did that mistake happen? Well, unfortunately, no, I'm kidding. Um, so um, a little bit of a background about me is my parents came from Bosnia, um, from Europe, and they moved here to the United States when I was uh, three years old. Uh, in 2000. So when they moved here, they moved uh, directly to Atlanta and they stayed in Atlanta. And I wasn't a huge sports fan as a kid, but something ended up clicking for me uh, after a few years of my life, where I think it it was when I was around nine or 10 years old, where I really started like uh, getting into sports, started with soccer and then uh, it migrated over, that love migrated over to basketball and then eventually to football. So the fact that I was already here in Atlanta, I was like, oh, uh, Atlanta has these professional sports teams. I felt this connection with each and every one of them. Uh, it started out with the Hawks in the NBA, the Thrashers in the NHL, RIP. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and, you know, eventually I was like, all right, I, I live here. I love the city of Atlanta. Uh, even though I wasn't born here, I, 
I might as well have been because my first conscious memory as a child came when I was in Atlanta. Hmm. Um, so I was like, all right, I mean, let's do it. The, this uh, Falcons team, it represents me. I, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. I am raised in, in Atlanta and, you know, I was like, all right, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch some of these teams win, win these multiple titles over the course <laughs> of my lifetime over these next few years. It's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Yeah. Uh, I think you got <laughs> that, that last part. Absolutely. Right. Um, as, uh, as Dave has said, watching the Falcons is like being on a roller coaster with a very bad uh, safety record. Um, <laughs> all right. So as you mentioned, uh, most of your early memories are when you were in Atlanta. So what is one of your earliest memories fond or otherwise about the Falcons? Oh, uh, like I said, I wasn't big into sports when I was like a child child, like many others. I wasn't uh, three, four years old and my dad put a football in my hand, for example. Um, I didn't really start getting into it until uh, 2007 it was the 2006 FIFA World Cup, which really got me into it uh, in soccer. And, yep. you know, I, I didn't really start getting into football until the 2007 season. And I think I just blocked out a lot of that one. <laughs> so, so it was, um, I was like, man, this team really sucks in 07. But I didn't, I, I didn't fall in love with it because of Mike Vick or, you know, I missed the Vick era. So one of my really early memories was Matt Ryan's first game uh, mm. in 2008. Against Detroit? Against Detroit when he threw that uh, first pass. Uh, it was to Michael Jenkins, 60-something yards. And I was like, man, we've got a player. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I mean, I, I was too young to be, like, analyzing anything. I was just like the Falcons were just winning a lot. And, you know, I was, I was devastated in, when they lost in those 2008 playoffs. Like, I, I know that's not one of the uh, heartbreaking losses that we all remember because that Cardinals team was really good. And Larry Fitzgerald just, like, took the league by storm in those playoffs on their way to the Super Bowl. But as, like, a child who never really experienced any, like, true, like, defeat in sports like that, I was, like, yeah. I was heartbroken. Yeah, the, my earliest memory was 1980, which, of course, ended in a painful playoff loss to the Cowboys. So it seems like uh, you and I have that in common where uh, we have these early – our early memories of the Falcons ends in the playoff loss that broke our hearts. <laughs> I, I should have just like seen that as a as a sign of things to come, but I was like, oh, well, <laughs> yes, they'll be back in '09. They'll win like 13, 14 games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I remember that optimism as well. Um, you know, that's uh, welcome to being a Falcons fan. All right, so it's one thing to watch Matty Ice and Roddy White and the guys who have come through this team over the years, but what? What made you want to write about the Falcons? Um, so I was in high school. Uh, this was a few, it wasn't a few years ago, but it wasn't really that long ago. Um, when I was in high school, I started writing for the soccer site, for the soccer website. And I did that for a few years. And uh, it was going pretty well. And the website ended up folding 
So at the same time, I was like, you know what? Like, um, I'm pretty good at this writing, writing thing. So let me try and focus this attention to something that I love, which, you know, the Atlanta Falcons were right there. There were so many like uh, startup sites uh, writing about football just because the sport is so popular. So on my 18th birthday, I remember I actually, this is at this point, I graduated from high school on my 18th birthday. I uh, applied for fan sighted's uh, blogging dirty. So hmm. I went over there and I wrote over there for a few years. Um, a lot of slideshows. Um, it, it wasn't as fun as the Falcoholic is. I'll, I'll just say that. But, <laughs> but yeah, over the years, I like uh, honed my writing. And uh, after, it was after the 2017 season, after the loss to the Eagles in the divisional round, like a week later. I thought I was finished writing because uh, in the early on in that season, I just like uh, had it with some stuff. So, you know, I just stopped. Uh, I just stopped writing completely for blogging dirty. And I took that entire like year off after week three, after that week three win against the Lions. And uh, it was Kevin Knight who messaged me after the 2017 playoff loss, asked, like uh, gauging my interest in joining the Falcoholic because I wrote with Kevin at Blogging Dirty and I wrote, wrote with Eric and uh, Carter Brazil and um, who are all fantastic members of our staff right now. Yep. And I was um, – at first, I was reluctant because I thought that my writing days were over, but then I ended up taking them up on the offer. I uh, spoke with Dave Choate, and the rest has been history. I've enjoyed it every moment since. Yep, and uh, we, we, we have gladly poached from uh, that the other guys uh, repeatedly over <laughs> the years, and uh, uh, you certainly fall into the bucket of some of our good writers that we've, we've been able to s- steal away. Um, all right. Now that you have been writing about this team for several years, uh, it is inevitable that uh, you put something on paper, you put something on the interwebs, Twitter, what, what have you, uh, where you had a strong opinion about something. And in hindsight, you're like, oh, my God, why did I do that? Why did I say that? So what is one of your worst takes when it so- comes to the Falcons? My worst one may have been was actually from before I ever started writing. Um, so it was the 2013 season. We were coming off of uh, the 2012 NFC Championship game where we blew that 17 nothing lead to San Francisco. And, you know, I'm going into 2013. Like, you know what? We're going to be back. Like, you know, we're, we're going to take that next step. We're going to the Super Bowl because we fixed our running back position. We signed Steven Jackson. From the, uh, from the St. Louis Rams, because Michael Turner, one of my favorite Falcons of all time, he, he was pretty run down in 2012 because Mike Malarkey just ran him into the ground year after year. So uh, we didn't really have that presence in the run game. And I was like, oh, Steven Jackson, he's going to fix it all. And he had that great first game against the Saints. And then yep. after that, it was just like, oof. He, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. But, you know, that, that's, that's one of the uh, bad takes that really sticks out to me to this day because that 2013 season was an absolute disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, all right, flip side, what is one of your best takes that you've had where maybe people disagree with you at the time, people thought you were nuts, but uh, history has proven you right? 
Okay, so one of my best takes was uh, I was so excited when we uh, drafted Grady Jarrett in the fifth round. I, I think it was somewhere in – it's somewhere deep in the interwebs, but one of the very few podcasts that, uh, that we did at the, at the other website, <laughs> uh, I remember I, I just spoke ad nauseum for like 20 minutes just praising Grady Jarrett, talking about this is one of the best moves that Dimitrov has ever made. This is such a steal. Uh, like, um, I can't believe that these these idiots let him fall to the fifth round. And it turned out to be exactly what I thought it was. Yeah, and he's arguably one of our best defenders in the past decade that we've drafted. So, um, I mean, it's, it's not a high bar to, uh, to climb there. <laughs> it's not, but, you know, fifth rounder, he's, you know, I would say he probably is. Uh, I can't think. Uh, I, you know, maybe some would say Deion Jones. Um, uh, yeah, it's fair. Maybe uh, true font, but no, I, I think Brady's up. not Vic. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Vic. Oh, God. Um, yeah, we're moving on from that one real fast. All right. A uh, little bit different. What is something about you that our readers or listeners may not know? Um, I am pretty much at every single Atlanta Hawks home game. So I do this thing with, uh, with the Hawks, with, uh, their fan section, where I help lead it. So out of the last, like, 206 Hawks home games over the past, like, 500, 500 over the past five years, I've, like, gone to 200 of those games. So, yeah, yes, I've kept count. So that's, that's a really cool thing that I do outside of writing. Yep. And for those of you who are also fans of the Hawks, um, if you've watched the Hawks game, there's a very good chance you've seen Adnan on TV. <laughs> there's a very, very good chance you've seen him repeatedly on the TV and you just haven't realized it. Um, so yeah, if you, if we get some Hawks basketball back uh, sometime this year, or early next year, uh, you guys will have to keep an eye out for uh, the man in, in the, uh, the crazy section at the uh, Hawks arena. So it's the face paint. The, the camera allows the face paint. Yes, it does. <laughs> all right. Um, your all time favorite NFL player does not in, in Eric took us in a little bit different path. Everyone else before him had answered Falcons, but I'm going to open it up. Your all time favorite NFL player and why? Oh, uh, my all time. I'm going to go Falcons on this one too. And okay. it's just going to be sentimental, but Roddy white for me, mm. he, because Roddy white was not afraid to trash talk. Like <laughs> that's one, that's one of the things that I loved when he'd always get into it with saints fans and with the New Orleans saints. I, I loved it. He, he just like represented the city so well. And, you know, I, I know that's some. Uh, he had a few penalties. He had a few flags here and there. And but Roddy White at at his peak was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And I just I just love the energy. I just love the swag that he had uh, with the team. It's it's something that I, I've I've hoped for in a lot of players over the years, but not many could match him up with it. Yeah, uh, that's a great great pick. He's. Uh... He is one of the biggest personalities that has come through Atlanta for sure. Um, you know, he's, uh, he doesn't get the attention that maybe a Deion Sanders did when he was here in Atlanta, but I would argue Roddy was just as much, if not more so of a competitor 
uh, like you said, he was just a fantastic trash talker. I think about that touchdown that Ryan threw to him uh, back in 2012 in the playoffs against the uh, um, against Richard Seahawks. Sherman and uh, the Seahawks. Yeah. And when he caught that and he popped up and just immediately started gabbing at Richard Sherman. And you've got to love Roddy for that. You've got to love him. Um, great. Yeah, because they had some serious history going into it. I remember how much Sherman oh, yeah. was respecting him on like the top 100 show and everything. Yep. Yep. And uh, Roddy paid him back, uh, which is what I loved about Hot Rod. All right. Uh, we'll keep this one to the Falcons. Who is your favorite active player on the Falcons and why? Um, I mean, it's going to be a very bland pick, but Matt Ryan. <laughs> because like, this is the guy who came in and he pretty much saved this franchise. Like this franchise would have been a laughingstock over the past 10 years if, if Matt Ryan didn't come in. And I, I just can't tell you how much I respect the fact that through all the unfair and undeserved scrutiny, scrutiny over the years, having to uh, be in Mike Vick's shadow and having like a portion of the fan base still to this day, just like constantly disrespect him. And uh, I, I still have no idea how he had, how he's just like kept that cool head on him and has never like done anything outside of, outside of the field, which warrants any attention uh, which is a very good thing for your franchise quarterback to yes, not ever have like any attention go on him, except for like when he had his twins. And the only attention he has is uh, when he po- when he or his wife post about their uh, twins, which is you know get, ha- have all of the attention that keep that attention coming because uh, his twins are adorable. But <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely, Matt Ryan for me. He, he's just like he's represented this team so well. I'm with you, man. Um, can't argue with that. Uh, and, and arguably of any of the players currently on the roster, um, maybe besides Julio, he is uh, almost assuredly going to make it into the Hall of Fame one day. Um, I think he's on a quick path to that. And uh, it's very rare you get to see a Hall of Fame player uh, play for your team uh, in your lifetime. So very, very cool. All right. So before we talk about uh, your favorite top three Falcons of all time, uh, your favorite coach, and some of the other questions I'm going to hit you with. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. 
And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by Adnan Ikic. And we're talking about his time as a Falcons fan, someone that writes about this team willingly. And we have talked about uh, some of his earliest memories, his worst and best takes. But now I want to, Adnan, have you picture yourself as your teenage version. You're putting three posters on your wall to show uh, your, your friends that you're a hardcore Falcons fan. What three players all time, what three Falcons players are going to get posterized in Adnan's bedroom? Oh, okay. So there's going to be some discrepancy here because I did say that Roddy White's my all time favorite player. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about the, for me, the top three all time Falcons, as in like the best representations of this team of all time, uh, the players that you think Falcons win. When you when you're talking about it, I I'm not putting him in my top three, and not not to any like fault of his own, just because the top three for me is so like it, it's so distinct. There's so much credibility, and there's just so so many great years, yep. so so many great players. Uh, Matt Ryan would be at the top because, in my opinion, he's the greatest player in franchise history, and unquestionably. Uh, the, uh, he's a quarterback. He's been here for what twelve years already. Top ten all time in passing. The most successful like time period in franchise history by far has come mm-hmm. under his watch. Uh, Julio Jones, who is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, and like you said, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Another player where we watched him, uh, and we knew that we're watching a Hall of Fame talent, and you know someone who is breaking the records right now. Uh, Julio Jones already has the most, I think, uh, receiving yards in franchise history, already has the most catches, or is about to have the most catches in franchise history, and he's not mm-hmm. even close to being done. And I'd also put uh, Jesse Tuggle as uh, my nice. number three. Because I know this came like before my time. Uh, J- Jesse Tuggle's heyday actually came before I, I was even conceived, if we're being honest. <laughs> Oh but, man, now I'm feeling really old. <laughs> but if if uh, you're talking about someone who who has been a lifer for the Atlanta Falcons, his entire career was spent in Atlanta, and I I just pulled up his uh, his stats just to make sure. But 14 years total, yeah. all in Atlanta. I can't tell you how much I respect longevity when I'm looking at uh, at stuff like this. Uh, Matt, Julio, and Tuggle, well, Julio not yet, but he will, uh, all have spent at least a decade in Falcons colors. Julio Jones drafted in 2011. It will have been a decade by the end of this contract. Um, all, all Falcons for life. And, you know, all guys who I could not imagine ever playing on another team. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, fantastic top three. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, because I think mine would be very, very similar, if not identical. Um, all right, a little bit of a different question I'm going to hit you with here, and that is your all-time favorite Falcons coach. Yeah, we've had some very interesting characters come through. Um, we've had some more bland coaches. It doesn't even have to be a head coach. It could be an assistant coach. Just one of your favorites that you liked seeing him or you liked his style. <laughs> uh Will I get run? Will I get run out of town? And if I said Kyle Shanahan, 
<laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> because I mean, just oh my god, uh, I, I'm I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Kyle Shanahan, but I really want to just because this team, you, you can't argue that this team reached new heights because of him, and I have no doubt in my mind had San Francisco not hired him. I remember that 2016, and I'm going off on just a little bit of a tangent, but it was before the Super Bowl, and um, I was tracking Kyle Shanahan and the head coaching availabilities very closely every single day, and every single team was filling their vacancies. The Broncos, who were the favorite to land him, ended up going with Vance Joseph, I think. Great job, John Elway, by the way. And... um, (laughs) It got down to the 49ers, and they were the last vacancy. And I'm like, please, just, just hire someone else. And, and then I had no doubt in my mind that we'd be right back in the Super Bowl the next year. And I think we would have had Shanahan stayed in Atlanta because that 2017 defense was very good and the offense wasn't. Um, I, I'm going to go official answer. I'll go with Mike Smith, uh, Smitty. And I know – it. Uh, uh, can you hear me, DW? Yeah, man. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure my connection wasn't off. Um, so, Smitty, I know he, he – the way it finished, it, it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But just someone who everyone says is the nicest guy off the field and someone who really – he, along with Matt Ryan and Thomas Dimitrov, helped take this franchise out of the doldrums. And that's something I'll always remember him for. I'll always be grateful for those first few years through 2012. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. choose to ignore the, the last two seasons. But also um, also a really unfortunate thing was his heart attack, uh, yep. which, which really took, took some of that fire out of him. I, I think it was in 2009 when he almost went toe-to-toe with D'Angelo Hall. And it was one of those uh, moments where it was just so hype. And – yeah, you know, I, I think that heart attack ended up taking something out of him in regards to that, yeah. like, uh, fire on the field. Um, but, you know, Mike Smith is someone I'll always appreciate uh, for what he did for this franchise. Yeah, uh, I think it's – now that we've had a little bit of time to breathe, uh, I, I think it's a very good uh, very good uh, way to look at it. He stabilized this franchise in a time where uh, very, very few people would have wanted – this job coming out of the uh, 2007 season. So uh, absolutely kudos to Mike Smith. Um, All right. Your most underrated Falcons player through the years. Um, I'm going to go with Jonathan Babineau for this one. I like it. Babineau. He's someone nobody really thinks about him that much when you're uh, talking about the great Falcons, but another player who was a, an absolute lifer for this team. Um, he just came in and he did, he put his hard hat on and he did the work. Uh, every single year, he was uh, a great presence on the interior of the defensive line. And, you know, it, w- it would have been great had we had a Jonathan Babineau in his prime these past few years, but next to Grady yeah. Jarrett, because I can only imagine just how, just how, efficient just how good that that uh interior part of that defensive line would have been because uh, he's never played with a dt who was as good as grady jarrett but um and i'm not saying he was as good as grady jarrett is now but he was in in a sense the grady jarrett of 
the mid 2000s yep. and early 2010s. Yep. So, I mean, Babs is a guy who uh, I'm always going to have a soft spot for. Uh, agreed. Uh, and very good choice for underrated. Um, flip side of that coin, uh, one of the most overrated Falcons. And it doesn't even have to be someone that necessarily made the roster, but maybe got a ton of hype that you didn't understand um, that you think just didn't pan out. Um, well, people know my disdain for uh, Sean Harlow on this podcast or uh, uh, basically on our website, just because I don't have anything against Sean Harlow. Uh, like as a person, not nothing against him at all. But the fact that he's still like getting these opportunities to be on the roster is just baffling to me. And I don't want, I don't mean to pick on him, but when I watch him in preseason, which is the only time he gets snaps, it's, it, he, he's just insanely bad. And uh, I don't have anything against him, but I feel like whenever he's on the field, then then that's endangering Matt Ryan's life because, yeah. and I really like Matt Ryan. So I don't want anything bad to happen to him, but the fact that John Harlow still keeps getting chances just because he was a fourth round pick is just like, it is just pretty baffling to me. Like cut your losses and just move on at this point. And I, I, I feel really bad for picking on him so many times over and over again. <laughs> it's, uh, I, Completely get it. Um, all right. This may be easy. I don't know. I'm going to leave this up to you, but what is the most gratifying Falcons win that you personally have experienced? Um, so I know the go-to for this one is the 2016 NFC championship game. Right. Just because, you know, that was a revenge for, tw- for that absolute like nightmare in 2010. And, you know, you go up 31 zero and I still remember being so hyped but I'm going to go uh, a week earlier that divisional round win against the Seattle Seahawks was wow. for me because, uh, well, personally I, I was at that game. So me and a few friends ended up going to that game. So that, that'll always have a, a fond place in my, uh, in my heart, uh, a fond memory in my heart because I just remember how loud the Georgia dome was after Ricardo <laughs> Allen got that pick. I had never heard the dome that loud in my life before on TV or in person or anything. And I remember the hype going into it. Uh, we were all so nervous going into that game because yeah, Matt right. Ryan at this point had that, he had that reputation as someone who couldn't get it done in the playoffs. He had one playoff win in his career and uh, he was, he had that great 2016 season where he was pretty much, we knew he was going to win the MVP. I mean, th- there were some questions as to whether or not uh, the media guys would give it to him or not, but it was clear cut that he was the MVP. But he, he had that monkey on his back of only one playoff win in his first, uh, what was it, nine seasons at that point, eight seasons. Yeah. Uh, it was against Seattle in 2012. And even in that game, it was Seattle came from behind and almost won. Yeah, and then he, exactly. The last playoff game he had played, Matt Ryan had played in his career was a choke at that point against the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, I'm not saying it was like completely his fault, but he did have his blame in that game. He had that uh, fumbled snap. He had uh, it late in that game, which really, which really, really hurt. And, um, you know, we failed to go downfield and score a touchdown. There were some talks about a holding uh, on Roddy White by, I think it was, it was Navarro Bowman. 
And, but you know, that's not really talked about as much anymore because we didn't try to sue the NFL. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) Oh, that's, that's uh, glorious. But um, yeah, so that, that was a game where I was so nervous going into it because had we lost that one, then it would have been like the narrative would have just been overwhelming about Matt Ryan, this playoff choker. And we went in there and we, we destroyed them. Like it, it was, um, it was close at first. And then that, um, that Ben Garland safety happened where Russell Wilson tripped into the end zone. And I just remember the noise level at the dome at that point was just like, was just incredible. It was, you, you couldn't hear yourself scream. Like everyone was just like, was yelling so loud. You couldn't even hear yourself. And then after that, it was just like, it, it was it was an absolute clinic. Uh, when Levine Toilolo was stiff arming players, you, you you knew that they they had no chance of of beating us in this game. And there was also revenge on our minds in that one too, because earlier in that earlier that season, that was the Richard Sherman um, pass inter- no pass interference call against Julio Jones in Seattle. And also, one thing that really bugged me in that game, even more so than that uh, pass inter- than that no call on pass interference, people don't really uh, tend to remember this, but Seattle played a very dirty game in that one. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it was Michael Bennett every single time was crushing Matt Ryan after yep. he had gotten rid of the ball. And it was a few seconds afterwards, and we were pl- and the game was in Seattle, so the referee didn't dare make those calls. Uh, in front of the 12th man at Century Link Field. But he kept just crushing Matt Ryan from the blind side over and over again. And that was one of those moments where, and again, I'm going off on a, on a bit of a tangent, but in 2013, it was flashbacks to um, nobody on the offensive line coming to Matt Ryan's aid when Kenny Vaccaro just nailed him uh, okay. against the Saints. And that was the game where, where something changed. It was Jake Matthews had this had this um this low block on Michael Bennett and it wasn't a dirty play the block was technically allowed like uh, in terms of the rules but it, it was one of those like gentlemen's agreements where you don't really block low like that yeah yep. but but Jake Matthews really stood up for Matt Ryan he went low and he completely like took out Michael Bennett's ankles yep and I remember Bennett after that game was just so salty he was pissed off talking about uh, <laughs> Talking about Jake Matthews, and I'm over here like, bro, you were trying to look, like pretty much hurt our quarterback that entire game. And I, I just found this newfound level of respect for Jake Matthews after that one because, you know, I was like, yes, like he absolutely deserved that. And uh, I remember late in that game, Bennett was trying to like um, go at it with Schrader. I think he was trying to like eye gouge him or something, and the team just kept their cool. I, I remember the uh, Mike. Mic'd up uh, sound effects where Matt Ryan was like, "Oh, like we have more stuff to play for than this. Just like keep a calm head and yep. you know, let's get out of here with a win." So that Seattle game for me just always sticks out. I know that it was a, it's a very long answer with a lot of tangents, but <laughs> what are we here for? I love it, man. I love it. Um, all right, you and I both know what the hardest uh, loss was, so I'll just go ahead and ask you. How hard did 28-3 hit you, and who do you blame? Like, it, it, do you blame one particular person, uh, uh, several people? Like, what was your process for that game? 
that man, that was that was one of the hardest. That was by far the hardest sports moment of my life, like no doubt. And you know, twenty eight to three, and I still to this day sometimes think about it. I'm like just in the middle of doing something just like driving and it'll just hit me like man, it was the third quarter and we were up by four t- four four possessions like some mo- some teams don't even have four possessions between that point and the end of the game period yep. but it, it, it really hit me hard and it hit me that night immediately and then uh it was even worse the next morning because uh, th- thankfully thankfully i didn't uh I didn't have school the next morning because I have Mondays off. I had Mondays off that semester. So I could like sleep in. But when I woke up, I was just like, oh my, like everyone around me was like, was saying how it felt like I'd like literally been poisoned where I just didn't want to talk to anyone. It was just like in that night, uh, that was one of those Hawks games we had that night. And I, the entire arena just felt the entire city. I like downtown. It just felt completely subdued. I like took Marta and nobody was really in the mood for like anything. <laughs> um, but I, if, if I have to blame a person, I, I absolutely go back to blaming Devonte Freeman for that missed block. Oh. And it, it's, it's one of those things. I know Devonte Freeman did so much good and, um, we maybe aren't even in that position without him that season. And I feel bad that this is my lasting memory of him, but just the fact that I can't get it out. I can't get it out of my head. That was a turning point of that game where a uh, high tower just like bypassed a frozen Freeman forced, forced the fumble. And then new England just had all momentum. And the reason for it is I think at that point, the scoreline was 28 to nine. And, um, and Matt Ryan had uh, Aldrich Robinson downfield. There was an alternate camera angle where you're looking at it from Matt yep. Ryan's viewpoint and had Devontae Freeman just chipped Hightower for just a second, not even completely block him, just, just chip him for a second. Split just give second. Ryan a split, um, another split second because Ryan was gear. He was lo- the reason he fumbled is because he had the ball cocked back and he was like loading up for a pass. And it was literally a half a second difference where he had Robinson wide open, streaking downfield. That would have made it 35 to nine. And I think after that, we're talking not only of the Falcons winning that game, but we're talking about one of the most lopsided Super Bowls of all time. Yeah. So that that's that's the moment that always sticks out. And I know more stuff happened. Uh, they didn't kick the field goal. Uh, Shanahan didn't run the ball. Matthews had those holding penalties. But if, if you had to pinpoint one moment where if I could take back one moment in my life uh, for the Falcons and just give them a do-over, that would literally be that one pinpointed moment in this 54-year history, however long it's been. Yeah. All right. We've covered a wide uh, range of topics about the Falcons. So let me get your final thoughts on the current regime. And that starts all the way at the top with Arthur Blank, all the way down to the janitors at the stadium. Uh, your thoughts on the current regime and your hopes for the 2020 season? Well, those janitors do keep a do keep a clean stadium, so you yes, know they they, do. I'm all for them. Uh, I love Arthur Blank. Um, I'm again someone who's done so much for the city. Someone who I really want him to have. 
I really want a Super Bowl trophy for him. Uh, you, know, you saw how happy he was with that MLS title. Um, and I think a Super Bowl would be like, no disrespect to the MLS or anything, but I think a Super Bowl is what he really wants. That would yeah, be like yeah. absolutely next level. But I, I, I wish I could be more optimistic. And I'm, I'm hoping I can, I'll probably talk myself into, you know, a nice winning season. But I, I just completely disagree with bringing everyone back after another 7-9 season. I remember uh, sitting here and sitting on the Falcoholic Live show going into, um, going into uh, 2019, being like, all right, uh, we had that 7-9 season. All the goodwill from the Super Bowl is pretty much over after that. We had the injuries. If the Falcons don't make the playoffs this year, then, then that's it. You know, we, we have to have some like massive changes. And then to do the same exact thing again and to have everyone just run it back, I completely disagree with that. So, I mean, hopefully, maybe maybe the team has a chance to possibly make the playoffs because there's an extra wild card team in the playoffs this year. It's uh, seven teams instead of six. And you look back in 2015, they would have made it at an 8-8 eight and eight record. But um, uh, I... I don't know. Ho- hopefully, I'll be more optimistic about it in the in the coming in the coming months. But uh, when I will say, whenever you have a franchise quarterback like Matt Ryan, and when you have the best wide receiver in the game and Julio Jones, you always have a chance. Yep, I completely agree. Um, all right, Adnan, thank you for doing this interview with me on the Falcoholic Podcast. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Um, so my main, uh, place where you can find me is on Twitter, uh, at say which way is the handle. And, um, basically I'm, uh, we're just covering everything at Falcoholic. Um, you know, we're a one-stop shop is what I like to call it for all, all of your Falcons news. I think everyone does a great job starting at the top with Dave Choate. Um, um, I have some fantasy previews for some players lined up, me and Evan Birchfield, who also does a fantastic job. So we have those coming uh, in the in the next in the coming weeks as we try to steer past this dead period and hopefully hopefully into a full NFL season uh, come this fall. Absolutely. Um, as for me guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, follow our Twitter account for the podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, you can find our articles daily at TheFalcoholic.com. So for Adnan Ikich, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in, and we'll talk with you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.